And the motion picture is the most important art film ever devised by the human race. It is the, the art form that creates more empathy than any other. It creates our ability to step out of our own shoes. Hello and welcome to The Great Movies Pod, a retrospective film review show, the podcast where we watch and discuss each of the films covered in Roger Ebert's seminal film essay collection, The Great Movies. I'm Nick Fulton. I'm Jana Gardner. And I'm Dylan Quayer. And this week we're going to discuss 1946's The Big Sleep, directed by Howard Hawks, based on the book by Raymond Chandler, screenplay by William Faulkner, Lee Brackett, and Jules Firthman, and starring Dorothy Malone, Martha Vickers, Lauren Bacall, and Humphrey Bogart as Philip Marlowe. I like that she gave Dorothy Malone first billing. I was I was gonna say credit where credit's <laughs> like, due. Yeah. Dorothy Malone number I mean, one. <laughs> she gets one scene. She kills it. Yep. You you might say that I'm building up to um, <laughs> Humphrey Bogart, but really what I'm doing is going in order of how dominant their performances are. Because Fair uh, enough. We'll we'll get to it. But my God, like. Ugh. Is there a better like single scene performance so that good. you've ever seen in so any good. movie? What what the, there's the rewatchables podcast by The Ringer, and they have that award for someone that comes in. I can't remember what it's called. Do you guys watch the listen to the rewatchables? I, I don't. I only when it's a movie that I really like. So mm. I've listened to some of them, but they, I know they, what you're talking about. Like they, someone they who do comes like the in, scene stealer yeah. word, like a scene stealer. Yeah. 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 It's yeah, some basketball player that would just come in for like the third quarter yeah. and just hit that's a bunch why, of threes and then leave. That's why I can't remember because whatever that is, it's Dorothy alone. Is it? So I haven't listened to it. Is it by any chance Kyle Corver? No. Oh, it should be. That, that's a that's a pretty good one. <laughs> that's a well, deep well, breath. While we continue with it, I'll I'll, I'll look it up real quick. Okay, okay. But you can continue with the intro. <laughs> Sorry. So I, th- I think this is one that all three of us have seen before, correct? Yeah. Yeah. This is and the one, one out of ten times where I've actually seen yeah. the movie before. Yeah. It's been a long time for me, though. So okay. whatever you could even try to remember <laughs> about this movie, I'm not even sure if I remember it as well as I did <laughs> yesterday before I had watched it. I mean, and only seen it. I, it's a, I rewatched it's it this thing. morning for that reason. Like, I watched it yeah. last weekend, and then I was like, you know what? I'm going to rewatch it again this morning. Just <laughs> can't oh. get it wrong. Yeah. It's Dion Waiters. Oh, all right. So. Nothing. I got nothing. Yeah. Wait. So is it an award for you take too many edibles on an airplane <laughs> and then you have a pseudo seizure? Oh, Did that happen to Dion Waiters? <laughs> Didn't it? I don't I've know. I've never heard. I have no idea who this dude is. So it's all news to me. Yeah, he, he overdosed on gummies, sources say, and was passed out when, when the plane landed. Good times. Anyways. Fun fun flight. He's the wild card, and so yeah. is Dorothy Malone. Respect Dorothy Malone. Mm-hmm. So this is one we've all seen. Uh, Jana, what's like your history with it? So I was trying to remember when I saw this the first time. I can't remember. It might have been in college or law school. It might have been when I was in high school. I, it's one of those movies that I just, I know I saw at some point, and I've seen it a bunch of times since mm-hmm. then. I had it on... DVD bought it on a cheap iTunes price for this rewatch, um, but I love it. I love these kinds of movies. It's uh, one I'm at my husband's favorite movies, and so we've watched it together a bunch. Um, yeah, it's just I, it's one of those things. Like I said, I might have. I just never remember the first time I saw it. I just feel like <laughs> it's always been a movie I've seen. 
I think I discovered it? it on like a list of like great movies, you know, and watched mm. it. Like not not the great movies, uh, to be fair. <laughs> but I like read like an article in a magazine that recommended it, and I yeah, I'm sure it's on the AFI list or something. Yeah, probably. What mm. is it that Matt likes about it so much? Because like we know from and listeners know who've been paying close attention <laughs> that he's also like really into Apocalypse Now, which is like very dissimilar to those. yeah. But he really likes like hum- we like. Humphrey Bogart and noir movies in general. Mm. Um, in a Lonely Place is another favorite. Um, just, just kind of the How whole. How about the African Queen? You basically um, complain Apocalypse Now and Humphrey. That's Bogart. true. I don't know if he's seen African Queen. I haven't seen African Queen. Um, it's but yeah, super problematic. So <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm not rushing out to that one. But yeah, the noir and and he and I both maybe unsurprisingly as people who voluntarily chose to move to Los Angeles as adults um, <laughs> like LA movie you know LA noir movies like this uh-huh. specifically like with that vibe the 40s LA vibe quite a bit so yeah and then Dylan for you it's been a little while yeah um, I think I've mentioned before um, when I had that dumbass library class in my <laughs> middle school summer <laughs> school program and all I do is just watch movies. This was one of them. Because I, I was like, there was like a whole week I probably watched like 12 film noirs because I was really into film noirs back then. And this was one of them. Haven't seen it since. Um, and so I went into watching it yesterday with my brother. And I was like, I, I, I kind of remember. It's uh, I remember it being pretty good. Uh, but I don't remember too much of what happens. And uh, I know less now than I did <laughs> I thought I had remembered. Yeah. I So I'm going to quote this review by uh, Sean Gilman, who gives the movie five out of five stars. Um, he says, every time I see this, the crime at its heart seems like it's going to make sense. Yeah. But it never does. And, like, I... I mean, I remember you guys talking about how insane it was, and I kind of remember it being weird, but, like, I, I didn't remember, like, so much. And so... Through that first bit, I was kind of like, yeah, it's kind of confusing. There's all these dead bodies and stuff. And yeah. By the end, I was just like, nothing makes sense. But Humphrey Bogart's mad, and I'm fucking digging this. He's mad. <laughs> I, I was also sure on this rewatch. I was like, you know, I know it's famously confusing, and I've always joked about how it doesn't make any sense. But I know when I watch it this time, I'll I'll remember that it all all the dots connect, and it all makes sense if you just pay enough attention to it. And then, no, it makes less sense the more attention you pay and the more notes you try to keep to be like, wait, what? <laughs> what, what happened to that guy? And then they just never go back to it. Okay. So, yeah, it, I was in the same boat, basically. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I've seen – I mean, I, I also went through, like, a film noir phase. And I, I think when I saw this I – don't, I don't remember when I saw it for the first time, but I hadn't had the, um, like, the heads up that it's – impossible to solve right so like like all noir movies you're like trying to solve it you're trying to also Mm -hmm. be the detective when you're watching it and this one the first time i watched it i remember being like very very frustrated by not being just how convoluted like impossible to Mm -hmm. navigate this movie was um but then you know you watch it again knowing that going into it and you can kind of just enjoy it for the fun zaniness and it, it's not even really like um so like some of my favorite noirs i would say are like double indemnity which we're going to be talking about in yes a, like, a couple months maybe um or out of the past movies like that mm-hmm. and this to me has a lot more in common with 
the screwball comedies. Like this feels much more like His Girl Friday than yeah. Out of the past. I hadn't remembered that about the dialogue until this rewatch that I realized that what I like about it is is more in line with what I, you know, what I like about the screwball comedies, what I like about Philadelphia Story. Like it, it mm-hmm. has more of that energy with a lot of the dialogue than I had remembered from the last time I watched it. Yeah, it reminded me on this rewatch of just in terms of where like every single line of dialogue, you're like, oh, I should write that down. Right. Uh, all about Eve. <laughs> oh, just, Absolutely. Every everything that a person says, you're like, wow, that's great. Yeah, yeah, I, I, yeah. I had the same thought as I was like furiously scribbling notes. I was like, this is exactly like when I was watching All About Eve, and I couldn't even write mm-hmm. down all the funny stuff. But it's like <sighs> Mirror by Tarkovsky, where you kind of just need to go into it, knowing that you're not going to figure it out in any literal sense, and mm-hmm. just enjoy it for the ride that it is. And I, mm-hmm. I think it's a little bit more like there's just a, a pleasure to it watching it that way rather than trying to figure out like okay who's this guy again and like who like how did that person die like who killed them right because <laughs> which yeah, one what? yeah if, one of- if, if chandler couldn't figure it out <laughs> right um, i'm certainly not that smart <laughs> yeah one of the like summaries i was reading like it was gosh knows where um but describes it as a movie that's more about it's about the solving of the crime as opposed to the solution of the crime. And mm-hmm. I think that makes sense. Like the solution obviously was not the point at any stage of the book <laughs> of the movie. Um, but it's just being in this guy's shoes and watching him as he navigates to go through the process of attempting to solve this crime that, you know, may or may not all connect in the end. Mm-hmm. So it opens up with um, the Sternwoods, mansion and marlo the detective uh the famous detective played by humphrey bogart Mm -hmm. strolls in and he's immediately greeted by carmen the young very young just barely of age seemingly daughter of uh, general sternwood and uh she wants it bad she does (laughs) minute one (laughs) this movie is like did are we sure that Bogart didn't just write the script? <laughs> <laughs> no. You know, and the thing is, is it doesn't, I mean, it's funny to watch, but it still plays somehow believably. Like, I don't know if it's just because How? the dialogue's witty or the actors are good, but it's so <laughs> ludicrous. But it, you know, I still find it charming somehow. Like, Wait, just, wait. Is Bogart even, like, a quarter as handsome as every single woman gives to him in this oh, movie? Oh, no. No, okay. no, 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 he just has those like good lines. And like, I mean, they they start off at the very beginning acknowledging, you know, they she tells him he's not very tall. And I like the way that he looks at his hat and says, I try to be <laughs> like, it's like, we know, buddy, you're giving it your best shot. Um, but they, he's like really scraggly. Oh, totally. And, uh, I mean, that's, that's the P.I. thing, right? Like, oh, that's yeah. The but private like, investigator vibe is that somehow women are attracted to him, even though he can barely function. I know, but like even like there's the John Mulaney quote where he says he's um, turned gross and that he's just wet all the time. Oh, like that's Bogart was like, just yeah. soaking wet all the time. Yeah, with well, gross sweat down his back. Don't do many favors throwing him into that greenhouse or wherever. I know, he. especially <laughs> then it was just <laughs> at the very beginning. It's just like go Turn sweat in a room. Him, yeah, yeah. He's cool though. Like he that's... may not be. Right. The hottest dude, but he's he's like a cool guy. 
Right, exactly. It's it's all in the attitude, is what it is. It's mm-hmm. not it's it's not the physical appearance, like bless his heart, but it's it's all in the attitude. Yeah, it does have a little like. It reminded me of I don't know if we've talked about this on air, but it's an example I use all the time. Is the movie Chef, where Jean Favreau. <laughs> Uh, that is the most ridiculous the, thing. <laughs> the plot of that movie is he used to be married to Sofia Vergara, and now he's having, uh, he's like casually hooking up with Scarlett Johansson. See, uh-huh. that, that's, and that's, that's the role he wrote for himself. Right, that's the one when you can definitely tell that uh, he <laughs> he wrote that one. <laughs> so, um, I don't know. Bogart, I don't think, was a writer, nor is he credited as a writer on this. Right. But, but yeah. he's also, and he's significantly more charming than John Favreau. No offense to <laughs> yeah, John yeah. Favreau, a talented guy, but uh, <laughs> he's no Humphrey Bogart, I feel comfortable <laughs> saying. I'm sure he's he would be fine with hearing that he is yeah. no Not Humphrey even. Bogart. Fair enough. So the plot of the movie starts, and it's already like wildly convoluted just figuring out what kind of the mission of the movie is. So um, the general is being blackmailed by someone named Arthur Geiger mm-hmm. over gambling debts owed by his daughter Carmen, the one we met, um, who he says tried to sit on his lap when I was standing up. Yeah, she does this move where she like sort of acts like she's gonna faint, so he Fall. has to catch her. Yeah, it's it's quite the move she pulls on him. And then simultaneously, um, the general was friends with. A guy named Sean Regan, mm-hmm. who is he a former cop? Is that? What? I mean, it's unclear exactly what his role is. It kind of sounds like he was maybe a former cop or a former investigator that yeah. had worked with uh, Marlowe because Marlowe was like, "Well, I, I thought Regan was your guy," but also it sounds like Regan was sort of his companion, like friend. Like he mm-hmm. he did investigations for him, but they also were like a mentor and protege. There was like a close relationship there, but he was an investigator of some kind. Yeah. And he'd also been previously blackmailed by a guy named Joe Brody, who is a gambler. (laughs) Yes. No, this movie doesn't give you a breath to uh, figure out who these people are before it's just like, here's a bunch of names of people you may or may not ever meet. I wrote, I wrote down everyone's names. <laughs> yeah. I bolded them so I could easily refer back while watching the movie. Mm-hmm. And then later during my notes, I'd be like, so this is the guy who is the gambler, and this is the guy who blackmailed him the first time. And right. it didn't help. Right. <laughs> and then there's different gambling and different blackmail, and it's just all, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I will say very, very quickly before we get too much further in the plot, uh, one thing I want, well, first of all, two things. One, he keeps describing himself as a, or people call him a, a shamus, a shamus, which is a mm. term I'd never heard before for like private investigator, but it comes up a few times and that was new to me and distracting at first. Um, and then the other thing I looked up because I thought the house, it reminded me of like the clue house, like this big sort of creepy mansion <laughs> yeah. that he comes into. Yeah. But apparently, um, according to people on the internet, the house is supposed to be modeled after a famous mansion here in L.A. called the Greystone Mansion, which, like, these days you can go pay a lot of money and get married at, but was famous for being the mansion of um, Doheny, the oil baron, who is the basis for the character in uh, There Will Be Blood. Mm. So imagine, I was say, imagine that house having a bowling alley in its basement, and, like, that's the level of L.A. weirdness you're getting at. 
So I did like a lot of Googling being like, wait, they say they're on Beverly, but then how did they get to? And then I have just like a bunch of nonsense LA notes. <laughs> but I did appreciate the Doheny, there will be blood, fancy LA mansion tie-in. Nice. So what happens next? Um, Talks he... to the general wearing all those blankets. <laughs> he talks to the yeah, call. The... It does yeah, do a general... good job setting up the three stirred woods. Kind the of family, yeah. Um, we totally never see the general ever again in the movie, which is so right. weird. That's so interesting. You're right. Like we, <laughs> He gets this big introductory scene where he monologues and sets the entire plot in motion, and then just <laughs> we yeah. never get back there. <laughs> his his um, role is done. I, I do, because now that we've talked about both sisters, um, I heard a lot that... Bacall was criticized for her performance in this movie. Half the and, Ebert essay is about that. <laughs> yeah, and then the, half the Ebert essay was just about them having to cut scenes for Bacall to try to make her look better and reshoot them. Uh, yeah, she, I thought it was reshooting scenes yeah, and throwing a little bit more. Because uh-huh. this was like just in the wake of To Have and Have Not. So they were, you know, the big celebrity uh-huh. couple. Yeah. So it sounds like I haven't seen... Um, in the Ebert essay, he references a documentary that's sort of about like the difference between the initial release and then like the release that we have now. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I haven't seen that, but it sounds like there's sort of a difference, like their their relationship, right? And the tension between them is like zhuzhed up a bit. They they did a real give the people what they want kind of yeah. <laughs> reshoot mm-hmm. where it was like more Bogey and Bacall like banter, and that's sounds like what they inserted, yeah. Now, did you guys, what did you guys make overall of Bacall's performance? I think she's great. Yeah, she's good. Yeah, no, yeah and I, don't, he, he, I don't know what the problem no, is. He, yeah, he no, he notes in um, the essay that he's, he got to see, like, the original print somewhere, mm-hmm. and he's like, I don't, I don't know what the big deal was. Like, she was good. Like, yeah. there's, there, it was her agent who, who made it seem like this was going to be a disaster, like a career-ruining thing. I even saw like, the mean, first reviews of the movie that were like lambasting Bacall for just being bland, though. I mean, is it just that, and, and the Ebert essay gets at this, too, is it just that the um, having her opposed to the other sister, because that that's mm. a flashier part, right? Yeah. Like, mm. But that was something else that Ebert mentioned in his essay. Well, but, sorry, the nymphy sister? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, he mentioned that Martha, they cut a bunch of Martha Vicker scenes because she would have stolen the show too much. And I feel I feel like she's in the movie the right amount, though. Yeah. Like, and I don't think it's about sort of like an acting showdown between her and Bacall or anything. It's just like that character is kind of a lot. And I'm not yeah. sure I want to be in a ton of scenes with her because, like, she's kind of a lot. <laughs> I just found it interesting that the Ebert essay was just, like, building up, like, how much people were, like, rating Vickers in this movie as almost, like, the Nicki Minaj scene stealer on Kanye's monster. And... <laughs> Sorry. Great, great analogy. Well, I, I, I thought of it because... I don't know why I thought you were going to say. <laughs> well, I thought of it because Kanye almost cut Nicki from that song because he was like, oh, she, she was going to steal my thunder too much. Oh, and he was right. Okay. But, um... You mean uh, presidential candidate Kanye West? Is that who we're talking about? Presidential candidate dropout Kanye West, because uh, he's now out of the race. Now, not, no, only is he co- not only is he a college dropout, he's now a presidential, presidential ca- candidate dropout. dropout. Okay. No, it was either today or yesterday that he he'd posted about trying to get signatures for, I think, getting on the ballot in South Carolina, maybe. Uh, oh, really? I heard... Our- he- 
I heard a press but the date had already got... passed. Like uh, he was already a few days past the deadline. Yeah. Either way, yeah. we're not getting distracted on Kanye. <laughs> it was just an analogy, but I don't think Vickers would be would have been like so much better if she had so many more scenes. Unless her performance was much different in those scenes. Like if she had had some right. sort of more dimensional character or anything. I don't know. But I just thought yeah, that I mean, was like, interesting from the book. Maybe there's a scene that gives her like a ton of pathos and you you develop yeah, more sympathy exactly. for her. I, I, I could mm-hmm. see where you write one good scene for her in this and she steals the show. Because yeah. she's... Yeah. For for what her role is, she's so good in this movie. Oh, she's yeah, really she's, good. No, she's a blast. It's just, it's yeah. a pretty simple character that is described more through other characters' like dialogue than actual performance yeah um so maybe if you had more of her performance she could have stolen the role i just i don't see uh from what we had that she did even though she was super fun as the nymphy sister (laughs) sister which to be fair is not i i can't lay this one at ebert's feet that oh no 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 no, no, from raymond chandler no i just had to clarify because i i read that in the ebert essay and and i'm the (laughs) first one to tell ebert when he needs to cool it um, but yeah, that is uh, Raymond Chandler about the character he wrote, who he called the Nymphy. Oh, Lord. Yeah, good times. Anyway. Yeah, so on his way out, he stops and meets Lauren Bacall's Vivian Rutledge. So she's married. So um, for the most part, they refer to her as Mrs. Rutledge. Quick question. Sorry. Yeah. Um, did they say what happens to her husband? They said it didn't take. But is there an explanation no. at any point? About, okay. Good, <laughs> you guys both made a face like no. Because um, that was one of the things on my rewatch. I'm like, oh yeah, I should pay attention this time to what happened to her husband. And we get one line that she was married and it didn't take. I and... never questioned it. <laughs> well, I, was just, I was dealing with so yeah, many other characters that I... <laughs> I'm gonna be honest. I I didn't even like. I missed that line, so I just assumed she <laughs> she was, she was married, married and and just not into it. I mean, that could be, the it didn't take could be just like they're still married and she just moved back home to her dad's house. Like, yeah, I was I was I was I was keyed into the you know romance aspect of this movie. So I'm like, what? How did that work out? And then it just never comes back. So anyway, just checking. Yeah. So she's fishing for info. Like, she's basically trying to find out, why are you here? Why did my dad hire you? Mm-hmm. Fair. And then he, you know, makes some quips and goes on to do his first kind of detective assignment in which he goes to the library, looks up some, like, rare books, and then goes to Giger's, which is a collector's book store. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or a, it's, it's a front. Like, it's just, like, rare yeah. books, but... Not so much. They don't know anything about books in that place. Yeah, so that's the the front that they're using is a rare books, you know, as mm-hmm. as criminals tend to use. Right. The rare the rare bookstore is the right. is the money and, laundering. And this is Bogart's big comedic scene where he mm. gets to go in like as a character, like a nerdy character. He like flips his little hat brim up and he puts on these glasses and he keeps pushing up his nose. And he does he do, Yeah, he does he a does lot the of look that. Down. Yeah. Uh. It's yeah, so that's his little... That was probably the peak charm in the movie. It's like the one time we see him do sort of like undercover kind of, or like, you know, <laughs> real detective, like mm-hmm. sly work. Um, I do. I do like that. And he goes in armed, like you said, with this research that he did. So he's ready to know that this woman doesn't know about uh, <laughs> these books that he's asking about that <laughs> don't exist. 
Yeah, and she's dismissive and kind of rude once he starts like asking her all these questions and he's pushed out of the place basically Mm -hmm. so he hops across the street to uh, another bookstore (laughs) they're just across the street from each other which must have been great yeah uh these days i don't know that that's that common to have dueling (laughs) antique bookstores yeah (laughs) it was a different marketplace back then apparently yeah yeah so he goes in here where he meets i don't even know what her character's name she has, does she have according a name? to wikipedia she is acme bookstore proprietress so she does not even get the dignity of a character name anywhere that i can find okay well She's that makes me refer to as like miss malone yeah is okay. how they would say it in the movie right but yeah acme bookstore proprietess that makes me feel better for not knowing uh, her name. Never so comes up. He asks her the same questions that he asked um, Agnes, the shopkeeper across the street, and she immediately is like, this isn't a thing. Mm-hmm. So he <laughs> brings her into his little ruse because she knows what Giger looks like. Mm-hmm. So while they wait for Giger, he busts out a, a bottle of rye and proposes that they kill some time well it's also started raining outside and he has oh, a line yeah. that's like better to be i'd rather be wet in here than wet out there or something like mm-hmm. when he takes out the flask uh he's really the innuendo <laughs> is <laughs> yeah he's, he's really laying it on thick at this point <laughs> oh lord but man is it 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 oh. seems to do the trick yeah she she the way closes she shuts the blind. that window yeah right yeah, she, yeah, she does like a real sort of like smooth locking of the door and then just like the like sexiest pulling down of a shade over a window <laughs> that anybody's ever it's, done. It's the hottest thing I've seen in my life. <laughs> it's, like, it's probably so true. <laughs> it's so funny. Because she's just so, she's just, she's into it. She's like, you're right. It's raining. You got a fifth of rye in your pocket. Who's, who's to say now? <laughs> it's party time. And then, of course, she gets, she's all vetted, yeah. <laughs> as, as I said off air. Yeah. She takes off the glasses, and suddenly, I wasn't sure before, but she's quite good looking. Does he, am I remembering this correctly, does he, like, ask her to take the glasses off? Yes. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's takes very, the glasses off and to put down her hair. It's, so. And then the, he suddenly, like. The immediate reference we went to was the Arrested, Arrested Development <laughs> with Job and Kitty with hair up, glasses on. Wait, no, glasses off, hair down. Like, Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Poor. Even, I think we can definitively makes... say she looks better than Kitty either way, though. Yes. Yeah, well, she's not cross-eyed. <laughs> <laughs> he even makes a comment about, like, Or that's psycho. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he does say, like, that's better, which, like... At least I mean, he can decide what he's into. That's true. He doesn't change his mind. But, like, I mean, obviously it goes without saying, but, like, she's so beautiful when he walks in the door. And that it's so funny that it's like, okay, fine. I dare say she's probably like the best looking character in the movie. There's a lot of beautiful women in this movie. I know, but if I'm putting my vote in, it's going to be her. (laughs) her. (laughs) Yeah. But then we get a real like 1940s movie cut, right? Where it just sort of fades back in. And now they're just kind of standing fully dressed at the window. Like, yep. Yeah. It's all implied. So then she points out that um, Giger's car is there and a guy named Carol steps out and that is his shadow, she says, I think. I think that's mm-hmm. what she calls him. 
So it's like totally Giger's. weirded me out that there was a dude named Carol though. It's that a, got like me confused Carol, for a little. Like yeah. Carol I, I, I forget it's. And, yeah. I forget that and like Lindsay are like old yeah. male names and. Yeah. Ugh. Yeah. Like Matt Damon and Thirty Rock. Oh, also that Carol, another famous Carol. Yeah. Or isn't his name True. also Carol in Ford versus Ferrari? Yes, it is. Okay. So Matt Damon. Carol Shelby. Yeah. Playing guys named Carol. Um, but yes, it's it's, in in this movie, it's Carol Lundgren, right? That's mm-hmm. the guy. Okay. So, what then? <laughs> yeah, uh, the he, house. He, he says he follows the car. He follow, back yeah, to the he house. follows the car to to Giger's breaks place. into breaks into uh, Martha's Carmen. Car- Carmen. Yeah, he breaks into a car that's there, and it turns out that it's Carmen's <laughs> car. Yeah, super, super legal. When cars back then were labeled, right? You know, when you're when you're a private eye, it's just all extrajudicial. It's just all you know. The mm-hmm. rules don't apply yeah. to you. I, I once I went the Jana lawyer podcast episode where you just monologue all the ridiculous I, legalities. A long time ago, made my peace with anything, especially like criminal related. Oh Because yeah. it's all just so goofy. Um, very short tangent. My criminal law professor in law school um, always used Batman in his hypos in our tests and things because there's there are different rules for what can be done if you are an actual member of law enforcement versus not and evidence that's gathered by a member of law enforcement versus not and so all of our test questions were always like batman is there first and he does certain things and then jim gordon shows up and he does certain things and then what evidence is admissible based on whether batman found it or jim gordon found it um but Tangent over. From, from that oh, anecdote, yeah. it sounds like that professor is either like the cool professor or like the really weird professor that everyone right. just has to no, deal with. No, he, he, was, he was the cool one. He was a, okay, a, good. A, good, a, good, good. an AUSA, like a, a basically a federal prosecutor. And so, like, which doesn't sound God cool damn. now when I which doesn't sound cool now when <laughs> I say it. But he was a, a smart guy and a good professor. Um, but mm-hmm. yeah, a long time ago, I made my peace with like you just you can't watch TV and movies if you try to care yeah. about that kind of thing because yeah. what yeah. now? <laughs> Man, the defense case would have a ride with that one. Yeah, well, he's just he just yeah, well, he he does a lot of things in this movie that would be a problem. <laughs> Well, is a private investigator considered law enforcement? Like it depends on if they're direct. The it depends on if they're like directed by. Yeah, law. I think I it's mean, if it's in there in the public sector with the police, or if it's like a right. Like he mentioned, private. Having, he mentions having used to work for the DA, which like the DA mm-hmm. and the and defense attorneys do hire and pay investigators to work for them, which then sort of makes them more officially yeah. law enforcement. And then I don't know what's up these days with private inve- like truly private investigators. Like they're licensed and stuff, so they are regulated but they're not you know not the cops exactly well, he's not trying to take this to trial anyway Ex- he just wants to exactly <laughs> that's kind of the thing too it doesn't really matter how he finds it he's not gonna give, show it to a jury he just wants to get some answers and get paid it seems like so much of the time he's just convincing people that he can frame them for specific things <laughs> to get them sure. to do what he wants them to do sure <laughs> yeah got that and in this case like while he's breaking into her car, he hears screams and gunshots. So mm-hmm. this is kind of small potatoes exactly. compared to uh, <laughs> yeah. the the murder that's happening simultaneously. <laughs> right. So after he hears that, a uh, couple cars bolt out of the place. Mm-hmm. He dashes inside and is surprised to see Carmen, who's mm-hmm. 
either drunk or strung out. I assume she's strung out. Yeah, I think she's hi- like high or yeah, she's on yeah. some kind of drugs of some yeah. kind because she's being real weird. Yeah, my my just assumption is heroin. I don't think they explicitly yeah. say, but mm. seems like heroin. Yeah, I guess. some some kind of like I, yeah, opium, some sort of yeah, that kind of thing. Yeah, it's usually I did heroin see in these that movies. I want to say in the in the novel, she's like strewn out bare naked. And they had to change that for the movie. Sure. Which makes me wonder if it was made in... <laughs> Did you just say bummer? <laughs> no, I said, yeah, sure. <laughs> oh, my God. I was like, Lord <laughs> Janet? No. It makes sense that that could be in a novel and they could not put that into the movie. Yeah, yeah but what, what I was just... What I was going to bring... <laughs> what I was going to bring up is wondering how different this this movie would be if it was made today. Versus how how it was made back then. Like, how much more risque would they take it? Or even if this was an HBO miniseries, because too much fucking stuff happens in this movie. Um, Right. I imagine it would be like that new Perry Mason show on mm -hmm. HBO, which is a miniseries and which I have not watched, but I've heard is dark and, like, very graphic and violent. So, And I I, I just, I thought it would be interesting to compare what it might have been. Yeah. Like, now to then. Because the novel seems... Fucking scary as hell. Yeah. Yep. She's also bare naked when she he she shows up in his apartment later too. Oh good so. lord. Maybe that's maybe those are the reshoots they had to do. <laughs> right? There you go. They're like, oh wait. She's really gonna be stealing scenes in this movie if we just put yeah. this out. <laughs> they're showing it to all the USO people and they're all like, whoa. Yeah. Yeah. So at at a fully clothed Carmen's <laughs> feet, of course, is uh, a quite dead Mister <laughs> Geiger. Is it Geiger? Or I think it's Geiger. Quite dead. I think it's Geiger. Okay. Do you very? I, I promise, incredibly brief digression. Do either of you listen, or have you ever listened to the Super Ego podcast, the comedy podcast? Mm-hmm. It's like I've I've listened to it like once or twice a while ago. Right, but I, it wasn't ever. It, it, yeah, it's it's a very particular kind of comedy. But uh, Matt Gorley plays a oh, does version. HR Geiger. Yeah, as I'm saying, yeah. every time you say Geiger and Geiger, I just think of HR Geiger and HR Geiger. <laughs> I think that's why I keep it keeps <laughs> probably messing me up. That's yeah, I've heard him. I've heard him do that on. Uh, oh, he did, bang, yeah, he does that on Comedy Geiger, Bang Bang so also. Like. Yeah. Oh, Geiger. Okay, yes, but I, I think it's Geiger in the movie. Okay. So Geiger's... The dude's dead. Mm-hmm. And then um, <laughs> Bogey goes snooping around. He sees a uh, camera, but the roll is empty. And then Inside finds, the like, statue little, head. Yeah, like a hidden camera. Yeah, hidden. And, and then he finds a notebook that has a bunch of names in it, and it says Sternwood at the top, and then just code written underneath it. Mm-hmm. Does the code ever deciphered? Or what is deciphered in this movie? I was gonna say I don't know. I yeah, I don't I don't know what the code is. Honestly, yeah. I mean we're we're about to learn something else. Uh, it does not get deciphered. We are also just just have to note because I can't help it. We are three sentences into the Wikipedia plot description oh, of this movie. We are not three <laughs> sentences in. Uh I mean it's just about. Oh fuck, you're right. <laughs> Because I'm trying to follow along to be like, okay, yes, that's what happens next. That's what happens next. Okay, to be fair, that's a paragraph and a half. They didn't do that a great true. job making short sentences out of it. Fair enough. Fair enough. Okay. So uh, 
Marlo takes Carmen home. He sees Vivian there, or Mrs. Rutledge there, and says, you know, she was, pretend like she was here all night. Right. You didn't see me. I was yeah. never here. She was here the whole time. Mm-hmm. And she says, which becomes important later, well, Carmen never remembers shit anyway. Mm-hmm. So yeah. don't worry about her. He goes back and Geiger is gone. His body. Well, he's, he was already gone, but now his body's gone too. <laughs> right. And then he hears from, uh, it's like one of his buddies on the force. Mm-hmm. That uh, a car has been found in a river. I think it's in the ocean. It's off the pier. Oh, oh right, 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 right. Because I looked, so this was the geography thing that I was like, wait, this doesn't make mm. sense. And the answer is no, it doesn't make sense. <laughs> so they pull a car out, and in it is someone who we've never heard of until now. I don't nope. Think. Nope. And doesn't matter. Well, it kind all. of matters and kind of doesn't. His name is Owen Taylor. Mm-hmm. He was the chauffeur for the Sternwoods. Mm-hmm. He had been in love with Carmen. Right. And uh, he had some head trauma. Yes. He got bonked in the back of the head, and then his car was found floating off of what today is the Malibu Pier. And they mentioned the car being, like, on Beverly? Like, at best, this was in Beverly Hills or West Hollywood. And he's like, well, what happened? Someone just pushed it in, and it's like, six miles west into the ocean? Like, what? What did somebody do here? And this was one of those things on rewatch. I'm like, can't wait to find out how they explain this. Um, and then I, I got some bad news later on about that. That, <laughs> that was the thing you wanted explaining. Yeah, that was. No. I was like, I need to know. I'm sure there'll no. be a great answer. And there wasn't. Who killed Owen Taylor? Well, Which? this that would just would have been part of that. I would have liked to know who killed him and how they accomplished it. Um, and bad news on both fronts. Yeah. Or so this is like... Why? Yeah, this, I'm just, this is like I'm doing emphatic, silent shrugging because I'm <laughs> one of the. Podcasting. I know. One of the notorious things about this movie is that we never find out. The movie just kind of like doesn't care to solve no. what, what well, happened to this poor guy. And according to um, the Ebert essay, this is one of the ones where cha- the author didn't know either. Like yeah, that, they, it just never. Way to go, Ray. Right, exactly. <laughs> like one, like that, during filming, this is the anecdote from the Ebert essay, but that one day during filming, uh, Bogart asked the director, like, hey, by the way, who killed the guy in the car? And he's like, oh, I don't know. Good question. Let's, let's call up the author of the book. And the author of the book goes, oh, mm-hmm. good question. <laughs> it's like, huh? <laughs> it's never come up until then, apparently. We'll solve it in the big sleep, too. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> if only. Sleeping bigger. <laughs> So Vivian, um, meanwhile, is being blackmailed mm-hmm. with photos for five thousand uh, dollars. Photos of Carmen, mm, presumably the ones from the camera mm-hmm. the night before. And they say like that this scene would make a little bit more sense if she had in fact been found naked. I think just because like, they do a lot of mm. implying about like, well, yeah, this photo isn't that bad, but I know the other photos must be worse or something along those mm-hmm. lines. Um, again, not I'm totally fine with the way it is in the movie, but I can yeah. see how I can see yeah. how it I can see how in the book, like th- if she was found like in a really bad state, it would be a lot more obvious that the photos like what they are of here it's kind of mm-hmm. vague. 
Yeah, this is also like 1945. Right. Exactly. I can't say anything about anything. So there, I don't even remember why she ends up calling the police on Bogart, but it's one of the best bits in the movie, I think, where Mm -hmm. she's like threatening him in some way. So she calls the police. He grabs it. Acts as if the police had called him. They do this a couple. They do this a couple times in the movies. He does it later to to the guys in the casino way down Mm -hmm. the line too, where it's like, you know, he told me no, he didn't. What did he tell you? I don't know. He didn't tell me anything. Like he just (laughs) turns words around on people and just confuses them to get out of a situation. (laughs) You call us. Passes the phone off like, oh, you should talk to my mother. So and then she she plays along with the bit. It's it's great. It's, it's a good bit. My, it's a real yeah, good bit. Yeah. Yeah. It's one of my favorite parts of the movie. <laughs> so that doesn't actually accomplish anything. It's just a funny little moment. Um, but we do find out during their whole interaction that the house that Geiger was found dead in actually belongs to a new character mm-hmm. named Eddie Mars. And one thing we know about Eddie Mars is that Sean uh, pr- uh, General Sternwood's buddy mm-hmm. yeah sean regan had stolen eddie mars's wife right Ooh. eddie mars by the way great gangster name like you hear the name oh, eddie yeah. mars oh. and you're just like this guy's a gangster he's no good <laughs> and he looks like a little weaky according to fleabag would say <laughs> yeah this is one of those funny things like you're saying they just keep introducing characters like every time yeah. you think you finally figured out who everybody is somebody new shows up who is now the most important character yeah. and so i think he's funny because he's you know he's a gangster he seems very powerful but you know when you're in a, in a room with him and bogart like you can tell he's out of his league basically yeah <laughs> yeah so speaking of out of his league, um, <laughs> Bogart ends up following a car from the Geiger bookstore mm-hmm. to um, an apartment. Oh, I forgot is, all about this. Right. Well, because this is when he, well, oh he goes back. God. This is when he goes. This is like back, a fifteen-minute sequence. This is when he goes back to he goes back to the Geiger bookstore, right, and goes back in and sort of tells Ag- Agnes is that her name? Mm-hmm. Yes. Tell like admits to Agnes like hey I know what you're up to it's me the guy with the glasses and the hat and the like um you know those asking for those books and I think it's this time when he goes and he sees in the back room and he can tell they're like packing up because she's like come back tomorrow and he's like you're not going to be here tomorrow basically so we he tails them and they end up at an apartment building and the apartment belongs to Joe Brody who was the first blackmailer the guy yes. who blackmailed Sternwood prior to the film beginning right and that was the one that Regan helped with that case before and helped yes. stop the Brody blackmail right yeah. so then he goes back to the um, Geiger house and Carmen is hanging outside mm-hmm. and. They end up meeting Eddie Mars there. He kind of like surmises who he is right. just based on him being there. And it turns out that he owns the house and he's been leasing it to Geiger. And then he has like a couple guns come in. Who are the like the weakest looking goons ever? Yeah, the goons are. One dude has a receding hairline all the way down his back, basically. The other one is just like this tall idiot. Yeah. Yeah. 
Well, the one guy apparently is his main role is to keep the other guy. Coping. Yeah, that yes. was funny. That, that is was very a great funny. line. Yeah. And then, yeah, no, I, I'm literally trying to like looking at my notes and at the plot summary, being like, okay, so they go, they find out that, yeah, oh my God, what does happen next? Okay, yeah, and then oh, and then he goes to Joe Brody's place. Yes, yeah, this yes. was the fun part I forgot the... all about. There's this like ten minutes where it's like, who had the gun, and who gonna shoot the gun, and who ring the doorbell? Oh, it's another gun, and they take the gun. Mm-hmm. And oh, then well, there, another there's a funny callback to that at the, the end of the movie too, when he references that people just keep giving him guns. Yeah, he just keeps yeah. taking guns off of that people. That was a great line too. <laughs> it's like, yeah, yeah. So yeah, they go back to the apartment, um, and yeah, they sort of have it's not really a standoff, but just sort of yeah. this back and forth. But Joe, um, it seems, is doing the blackmailing with the photos, mm-hmm. and based on that, there's, you know circumstantial evidence anyway that he killed Geiger so he like he uses that a little bit as leverage against him and and Carmen says that it's him who did it like that's that's mm -hmm. Carmen's story is that it must have been Brody who killed Geiger yeah so Carmen shows up with a gun yeah Mm -hmm. and then like you said Marlo manages to get everyone's guns yes (laughs) he gets the photos Mm -hmm. and the negatives so that's one crime solved i guess yeah he's 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 on a good roll right here yeah until another knock at the door <laughs> yeah <laughs> yes <laughs> thanks <here. laughs> crime solved movie over and then there's a knock at the door boom <laughs> yeah so then yeah brody get he gets it yeah. he gets a good a lot of, going to the door in general in this movie is yeah. a bad idea. Don't answer the right. door. Don't walk out the door. Don't, yeah, just, don't leave the door. Don't, yeah. Just stay away from doors. <laughs> yeah. So he gets shot, and um, Marlo chases after Carol, who mm-hmm. is Geiger's right-hand man that we saw outside the bookstore. Yeah, they called him, like, his shadow at one point. Yeah. Um, he ends up catching up with him. Mm-hmm. He's a little um, guy. Lundgren's also kind of a little guy, so I think that's, yeah, that yeah. seems like a fair chase. And I believe somewhere in the Wikipedia summary, I wrote that I read that Lundgren um, and Geiger were supposed to be in a homosexual relationship together. Oh, like maybe that was one of the things from the book that gets um, yeah, and that I mean, was prohibited. Which yeah, again, I saw that. This that was on HBO, right? Right now. Oh boy, yeah. this would have been a much more interesting movie. Yeah. Yeah, they are kind of oblique about their relationship because it's like, yeah. it's like right-hand man, his shadow, yeah. So he takes Carol back to Geiger's house. Um, Carol and him sort of get into a little bit of, him being Marlo, get into a little bit of fisticuffs. Marlo ends up beating him. He ties him up calls the cops mm-hmm. and then good lord my, <laughs> I, my summary of this is like as convoluted as the movie is it is it next is it just next that he goes to the casino that's the next thing i have in my notes but i don't know if i missed anything where he goes to track down Let mars me. yeah so so the so yeah, the next the, scene the, the, is okay. when they're like at the di- he's at the diner with um Mrs. Rutledge. Oh, right. They she, have that conversation. Oh, yeah, yeah, They yeah, have yeah. that. That's a fun scene. Yeah, that's... She, yeah. 
she pays him off and she's like, oh, my father sent me and said, right. job well done. Yeah, job's done. Here's $500, like, mystery solved. Like, movie would make so much more sense if it just ended if it here. Just, yeah. yeah. So he surmises that she's, you know, Sternwood uh, didn't say that. She's saying it on his behalf. Right. Him flirting, or her flirting with him is her putting a little too much on so he sees through it. So. Mm-hmm. He figures that she's the one paying him off, not her father. And why yeah. do you keep? Why does? Why, why is Mrs. Rutledge always trying to get him to back off of mm-hmm. Eddie Mars? Right. Does he have dirt on her? Mm-hmm. Is is kind of what he's figuring out here. Mm-hmm. So then, after that, he goes to the casino. He sees Mrs. Rutledge singing. Mm-hmm. He bumps into Eddie. He asks Eddie, "Hey, why aren't you looking for your wife?" Yeah. Which we learn a little bit later. That's like one thing that is sort of explained. Yeah. Why he isn't looking for his wife. But um, so he he has this interaction with Eddie and then goes down to the casino floor. Yeah, because Eddie doesn't, Eddie is, sort of is like deflecting and he won't answer any questions mm. about his wife, but instead he just wants to be like, Mrs. Rutledge, like she's a problem. You know, she ran, you know runs up all these debts and Bogart asks him like why do you even let her in and he has some sort of like another like weird vague answer that's kind of just like "Uh, (laughs) like, what you gonna do like (laughs) what are you gonna do yeah pretty much like because he's like you said that she just either runs up a huge gambling tab or if she wins she takes it home like what (laughs) why do you keep letting her gamble here and he's like (laughs) it's like all right good good casino operating Mars and speaking of, mm-hmm. we go downstairs and she's playing roulette, which is a horribly boring casino game. Yeah. Not not a lot of strategy with that one. Wait, what yes. what is an exciting casino game then? Most of the others. Like things with <laughs> strategy, right? Like I mean I, I don't I don't like gambling. Um, but I at least under, I find it too stressful, but most of I understand the appeal of like blackjack or poker or something where like there's a strategy craps? involved, and you think. Is, is there a strategy in craps? There is more mm. than roulette, a little bit, right? Yeah. Yeah, I've never played craps. I'm always intimidated by it. Yeah. I've heard Seems that it's a blast. Yeah, people seem to be having fun. Uh, yeah. I mean, that's always the one in the movies where they're at the casino and everyone's like, yay. I mean, heart, heart eight, right? It's just heart my eight. entire yep. assumption Shack of what it's like playing craps at a casino. <laughs> like, what is Philip Seymour Hoffman saying in that scene? He's a shackalackadoo. Shackalackadoo. Yeah. <laughs> shackalackadoo, do. Seems, seems fun. It's <laughs> great. So she's got a. What is it? A fourteen thousand dollar bet? It's some riding. insane amount, like for nineteen forty six. Yeah, she ends up winning. Mm-hmm. Grabs all her monies. <laughs> it's like, get me out of here. Take me home. <laughs> Heads out. She gets robbed. Mm-hmm. And we we don't know who the fuck that guy is, right? I think he just works mm-hmm. for the casino. Is my yeah. assumption? Is he just was sent? Okay, to but get that's the thing. money back. Okay, so but it, but you have to working, assume. For Mars at the casino. Presumably. And Mars didn't give her the money. Right. Why the I mean, fuck is he trying to steal it then? Well, she so, wanted his casino. It's uh, No. So uh, he tried <laughs> to steal it because um, her she didn't actually have the money. That no. all was a ruse. Exactly. So that, so that Marlo would think that those two don't like each other. Right. Yes. So the guy tried to steal it 
to make that ruse seem more likely. So it's all oh. just a part of the same. Okay, I guess that makes sense. Because yeah, yeah, why would you? Okay, do I thought it was an actual robbery attempt. Yeah, but no, if you're right, yeah, it doesn't make sense if it is. Yeah, yeah, that's all. That's all part of the bit, so that <laughs> Marlo we... will buy into. So it, you know, if Marlo doesn't ever make that connection, if he's not that right. suspicious of Rutledge in the beginning, mm-hmm. he will. He will then end that um, interaction with. One, I helped Rutledge, mm-hmm. and two, Rutledge and Mars do not like each other. Right. But unfortunately for everyone who isn't Marlowe, he mm-hmm. sees through that and says, you know, if there's money in that bag, like, yeah, I'll do whatever. But yeah, it's not in there because it was all just a bit. It sucks for that guy. I mean, granted, he's a criminal, right? Uh, supposedly, but. You know, he gets he gets clocked for right just for doing probably being an actor. Yeah, exactly, playing a part. Mm-hmm. Um, I did have like one maybe quick... he is just a casino worker. Like he's right. Not a... Yeah, maybe he was just yeah. <laughs> he just like manned the door and it's like, hey, can you just go out and do this thing for me real fast? Don't worry, it's not for real. Pret- can you just pretend? Can you just pretend to do this thing with this girl who isn't? She'll be fine. She's not scared. She knows. Here, you want to meet her beforehand? Okay. Hey, we're gonna do this thing. And then boom, you're getting knocked out, and I'm taking the gun from the- you. That would go a little bit of a ways to explain how quickly the whole thing shuts down. Like, he's mid-robbery, and as soon as Bogart, like, jumps up and has the gun, he the robber basically, like, drops the gun and just, like, backs away. Like, he has no commitment to actually going through with it. He's yeah. just, like, a busboy. <laughs> poor guy. I want, I want a movie about this man. Right. <laughs> Hard life leading up to him being clocked out and put in a coma for the rest at least, of his life. At least he doesn't get shot. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I think there's only one on-screen shooting in this whole movie, and there's so many dead bodies. I mean, we hear gunshots. <laughs> That's but... true, but I'm saying like on-screen, I think there's only one person that gets shot. Just at the very end? Is that Joe? No. Is Joe on-screen? No, we hear it. He walks yeah. off-screen, and then we hear it. I think it's just okay. the, the, shoot, the final shootout the, at the end. What the... F- Canino or something? Camino? Oh, it's the most obnoxiously Italian name. Yeah, I wasn't even Canino. thinking of Canino. Yeah. Uh, it feels like it comes right out of Goodfellas. Yeah. Um, one quick note, um, just because I wrote it down. Do you guys see people in cowboy outfits walking around the casino? Yes! Okay. What the fuck was I, that? Well, okay, just I wanted to make sure I hadn't hallucinated that. There's just at least a couple of people who are wearing like Western style shirts and like cowboy outfits who are walking around at Eddie, Eddie's casino. So I was like, oh, are we going to get it? No. <laughs> no. <laughs> it's like extras showed up for the wrong movie. Like they thought they were going to be extras in a Western. And they're like, well, you're here. Just walk through the casino. It's fine. I <laughs> mean, Hawks did make like Westerns right. too. So maybe they just, they got their wires crossed. They thought they were going to exactly. be doing a little Rio Bravo. Wrong, and wrong they assignment. End up, <laughs> they end up in LA. Okay, just I just had to write that down because I was like, eh, maybe this is a plot point or maybe it's a reference to something, but no. So after that whole ordeal, um, Marlo goes back to his place mm-hmm. and Carmen is sitting there, fully clothed, mind yes. you, mm-hmm. fully clothed, yes. waiting for him. He kicks her out and then wakes up to a phone call from the cops, which he's like, it's two o'clock. Yeah. I, I did not make the connection that he meant in the afternoon. Right. I don't know if you were supposed to. I assumed it was two in the morning. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't until he goes to see his buddy, the, the policeman, and he has a uh-huh. line where he's like, what are you doing waking a guy up at two o'clock in the afternoon? And I was like, oh, it was the afternoon. Yeah. Okay. Gotcha. 
I mean, I guess the casino scene did happen at night. <laughs> Casinos right. tend to run 24 hours. Yeah, so who knows? and then he has to deal with Carmen when he gets back. And, you know, he had, yeah. a, he had a long night. So um, when he, he meets throws with the cops. Carmen out like in 30 seconds. Yeah, that scene goes by real yeah. fast, thankfully. Because, <laughs> like, I. Yeah, yeah. That's not the kind of scene that's, like, really fun to watch. So I was glad that it, it was a quick one. Yeah. So Marlo was told that the DA is telling him to lay off the Sternwood case. Mm-hmm. And he, again, surmises that Sternwood has nothing, nothing to do with this. He's too busy, like, tending to his orchids, Yeah, I guess. Being so this hanging is, out in his greenhouse, yeah. Yeah, just hanging out with, like, a blanket <laughs> on so and a 100-degree house. Watching other people drink alcohol because he can't, yeah. <laughs> Poor Sternwood. <laughs> And smoke cigars, which isn't there a light in this movie? Like, I'll give you, like, I'll pay you with a cigar or something. Probably. This yeah, I remember it's ridiculous. Yeah. So this is all um, Vivian pulling the strings mm-hmm. again. So he tries to meet with Sternwood. Mm-hmm. And this is another thing that I just never really figured out is what's the deal with Norris the butler? So, I, like, he has some, like, well, so the, it's the beginning scene, right? The very first scene when he's like, Mrs. Rutledge wants to see you. And he goes yeah. and talks to her when he's leaving. And he was like, uh, Mrs. Rutledge didn't want to see me. And the butler's like, oh, I guess oh. I made a mistake. Or I'm always making mistakes like that. And so, like, from the beginning, you're like, what? what's his angle? Like, what? And I yeah. I, I don't know. Yeah, this, I don't this know what like his angle is. like a classic setup of, like, a butler is behind a lot of what's going right. on. Right. Like, this happens a lot mm-hmm. with Agatha Christie novels. Yeah. And, like, he's, he's, the, he's the lowly one so, that's playing the game the whole time. Right. And never comes the back yeah. in this movie. Yeah, all, but it does seem, it seems like he knows more than he's letting on. And he's he's trying to pull some strings to try to manipulate uh, Marlo, but to what end? I don't think we get any real sense of. Um, but he's he's up to something, but it is it is never revealed <laughs> if it's anything in particular. Yeah, I guess like compared to the murders, it's probably like he he doesn't seem to be directly involved with the gangsters. So no, I don't know. Maybe he's just a weird guy. Maybe he does just make mistakes. <laughs> That would be so funny. <laughs> what a weird thing to be like. That a would lot of make mistakes. more I'm sense a bad in this butler. movie than a lot of the things. Uh, for yeah. some reason, just... my take on it, I guess, was more like he's like he. I don't know if he thinks he wants to like do right by the the girls in the family or something. Or like maybe he wants Marlo. Like he wants Marlo to talk to Vivian because he knows she's up to something, and so he's trying to push Marlo in that direction. But I, I don't know. It, it there's no there's no answer. You know I what I'm glad about. Is 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 fun as like how convoluted this movie is, um, like trying to unpiece these things. If this were to come out today, they would be like a million Reddit posts, and everyone would be like, "Oh, Norris is actually right. Sean Regan's dad or something." Oh my and god, you're so right. Twelve that would, reasons be so why. Fucking annoying. Yeah, yeah. So the ending I'm of gl- the big sleep explained like every yeah, article just, headline. Hold on. I just like to revel in the <laughs> chaos here. Are you googling I'm, I'm just, to see if I'm, that exists? I'm just curious if there's a what happened in the big sleep explained on Netflix but, on no, YouTube. There, there would there would be. Oh, I'm sure. There oh is. yeah, but there just yeah there would be so many like you said there'd be Reddit posts there'd be all kinds of every movie blog. It looks like there's just reviews. Oh, okay, well good. The Maybe. the third option though is 
the big sleep best scene ever, period. Want to guess what scene it is? I'm honestly afraid to ask. Is it the end? Nick? Is it that phone call scene that I was talking about? It's Dorothy Malone, baby. Oh, duh. Oh, yeah. Okay, fair enough. <laughs> fair it really enough. is. It, it really is. I, I think what this, the maybe, if anything, has prevented that uh, approach to this movie is just that it's notoriously known for being unexplainable. Yeah. And so maybe that's just, that's the whole deal. Is It's like it's famous for not being explained and no one has ever really tried to make it happen. Yeah. So where are we? So Marlo, Marlo <laughs> no, wants to see. God knows. Marlo wants no. to see Sternwood, but Norris blocks him. Right. Um, but but he he does talk to Vivian on the phone, who mm-hmm. says, "By the way, we found Sean oh. Regan in Mexico." Right. Like yeah, don't he, worry. You don't have to keep looking for him. It's fine. We found him. Case closed. I'll deal with it. Which does she really think he's going to buy this? Like. <laughs> I feel he's seen through. He's seen through every other ruse. Is this really the the ruse that's gonna that's gonna stump this I guy? I do feel like her actions get a little bit more like not desperate necessarily, but like she's yeah. kind of flailing by this point. She's kind of just like trying everything to like be like maybe if I tell him this, he'll go away. Like she's running out of ideas. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but but then this is the best part of the movie that comes up next is is uh, M- Mars has Marlo beaten to a pulp. Sure with does. Some really in fake an, stage in acting. an alleyway. Yeah. And then we get introduced to another character. I was so confused when this guy showed up. Like, honestly, I was honestly mad. I was honestly mad when this little twerp showed up. And I will say, what the fuck is he doing there? I will say, we are like, I want to say, three quarters of the way through the movie at this point. So, like, we, you know, we are like, we've done our best. We're barreling towards the, you know, basically into the final act of this movie. And this little guy shows up who's like, I'm going to break this whole thing wide open. (laughs) <laughs> I was like, "Who are you, sir?" Oh, you're 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 friends with a character we also haven't seen in an hour. Cool. <laughs> like, in in fairness to like the plotting of this movie, he really is just a conduit. Oh, to, like, oh, getting, sure. Getting, oh, I know. He uh, shows up and he dies. He dies like a yeah. punk. He dies poorly. <laughs> yeah, he gets poisoned in like the least dramatic. Just like here, drink this. He's like, "Is that poison?" And then he just falls well, over. <laughs> I guess I'm going to drink it. I laughed. Like, I have to say. <laughs> I laughed out loud, too. I, I made a note because it's, like, he, the guy who's, like, just, like, been kidnapping him or threatening him or whatever, like, hands him this drink and he just throws it back all in one gulp and you're like, mm-hmm. buddy, no. And then he basically <laughs> grabs He even questions, stomach, like, if it's poison. Right. Then drinks it. He, he shouldn't have drank it. Grabs his stomach folds in half and then just hits the floor with like this really loud thud and I just like barked out laughing. I'm just like, oh okay. Well we literally say, hardly knew ye Harry Jones. Yeah, we we did not know ye. You yeah. had the most generic name, Harry I know. Jones. But <laughs> Mike Smith was taken. Right, so we went yeah. with Harry, Harry Jones. Uh, he Lord. he has uh one of the most distinctive faces in yeah. all of cinema history. Uh Alicia Cook Jr., I think is the guy's name. Sure. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Like, he was in The Killing. Um, oh, that guy. What else is he in? He's in, uh, oh, he's in Rosemary's Baby, which I just voted against in the bracket. Rude. It was, that, like I said, it was a close call. That versus Yojimbo. Like, yeah. that's a tough, ask Ask me tomorrow and I might, I might flip-flop. 
um, Maltese Falcon, House on Hunted Hill. I was going to say, yeah, I've seen his face. I've seen so many of these movies that he's been in. Um, that's intro. Well, good for him. He, he doesn't make a huge impression in this movie <laughs> other than showing up and dying poorly. Yeah. Well, he's on screen for like 30 seconds. Uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and he had a much distinguished sort of... And it's funny because I think he... Well, it looks like he acted his entire life. Um, but the stuff that I think of him from being in, which is more like Rosemary's baby era was when he was a um, older guy at that point. Mm. He does in, in Harry Jones's defense, he does do the noble thing of when he's being like interrogated by this uh, yeah. hoodlum, he lies to help Agnes. Right. Cause that's what we, we didn't say. We jumped to him dying is that he's, he's there basically relaying a message for Agnes. Um, Who does not give up fuck about him well yeah it's yeah. maybe a little bit of a one-sided devotion here <laughs> yeah but but good for him for like you know yeah no even getting her off right the even after he's even after he's been threatened you know he he doesn't really give her up so mm. and she she's offering by the way because i wrote this down to uh two hundred dollars to um give up the location <laughs> of eddie mars's wife which i think is supposed to be a lot of money because i mean he got 500 for, you know, allegedly solving the case. And he's like, this is more than I expected. So, hmm. you know, I think she's offering some serious bucks here for this information. So then Marlo goes to. Well, he, yeah, he goes yep. after, he goes to meet with uh, Jones, but he's dead. Um, mm. And so. Oh, that's right. Right. But, he's but like listening he, he goes in. to a gas right. station place. Right. Yeah, it's an auto repair shop. That's what. That's it is. What yeah, it is. yeah. That's that's it. That's it. Yeah. Which is Which where ha- it is believed that Mrs. Mars, who had run off mm-hmm. with Sean Regan, supposedly, right, uh, had been seen at. So, Marlowe goes there. Oh, this is immediately my gets. I see. This is my final, final, final um, L.A. note tangent. Um, mm-hmm. She's supposed to be in a, they're in a town. They call it Rialito is where they're supposed to be hiding out. There's no such mm-hmm. town called Rialito, but there is a town called Rialto, which I think is where mm-hmm. they're actually supposed to be. Because okay. it's like okay. 45 minutes east of L.A. Because <laughs> I did the same gotcha. thing. I'm like, that's not a place. And when you Google Rialito, it's like, you mean Rialto. I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> so that at least. <laughs> geographical uh, question. Um, we just watched this last night. Oh, I guess. Oh, okay. Never mind. It was going to be about Palm Springs, but apparently it is uh, desert based. Oh, you watched Palm Springs? Yeah. I didn't know that it was desert. You didn't know Palm uh, Springs was the desert? No. Oh, I guess it has Springs I never the title. Put that together. So, yeah, Palm Springs, um, desert, couple hours east of LA, um, resort town, big popular destination for weddings. I had my bachelorette party in Palm Springs. Because it's the kind of place where you can go to a nice hotel with a nice pool. And that's kind of all there is to do out there. I'm going to be honest. I was uh, thinking of Florida. <laughs> oh, sure. Sure. There's one of those, too. Palm Palm mm. Beach. You're thinking of Palm Beach? 
Florida? Uh, there's a Palm. There's a Palm Springs. In is there Florida also too, a Palm apparently. Springs in Florida? Either either that or there happens to be a Palm Springs in Florida. But I was thinking of Palm Beach. I'm not good at geography. You guys. I'm not either. If it's not in not, my immediate yeah. vicinity, like I'm, I've got nothing. But yes, if it is in my immediate vicinity, even then I need ways. All right, quick, <laughs> final, final, final tangent. Um, that's why. So in the movie Palm Springs, and this isn't spoilers if anyone hasn't seen it yet. Um. It, like one character is trying to leave town and is driving to Texas, um, which is like that's three states away. That's only like twenty hours of driving, but you could drive mm. from Palm Springs to Texas if you drove without stopping. And then another character goes back and forth from Palm Springs to Irvine, which would be like a three-hour-ish drive, and that's why. Oh. So it's kind of in the the middle of those two areas. Palm Springs geography corner. <laughs> All right, so they're at the gas station in Rialito, fake town in California. Yeah, um, yeah so Marlo gets tied up immediately. Mm-hmm. He bumps into Mrs. Eddie Mars, mm-hmm. and they ask about Sean, and she doesn't know where Sean is. Mm-hmm. She's then, also a pretty lady, by the way, when we finally mm-hmm. meet her in this. I didn't think we would ever see her. Like, I just assumed she would be yeah. like Sean and everybody else, and so it was actually kind of shocking to be like, hey, look. <laughs> She's actually well, here, is, a character. It is alluded to um, beforehand. So we, like Marlo, haven't seen her before. But mm-hmm. he, when he meets with Eddie, he's like, why aren't you looking for your wife? I've heard that she's the kind of guy that, or she's the kind of woman that a guy would look for. Right. Or something to that yeah. effect. So you're, he's he's like, hey, your your wife's yeah. good looking. <laughs> so yeah, your wife's other, pretty. <laughs> otherwise, like, who Yeah, cares? otherwise, who cares? Just let her go. <laughs> yeah. Um. So then Mrs. Rutledge also shows up. Mm-hmm. It turns out that, and this is like one of the plot points in the movie that is actually resolved. And I, I yeah. like this twist a lot that she didn't run off with Sean, mm-hmm. but Sean disappeared. So Mrs. Mars hit out when he disappeared so that the cops would assume that they ran off together. Right, like it's a cover but, story. But she claims that Eddie would not have killed Sean. Mm-hmm. And the joke is on her when she is told that, well, he didn't pull the trigger, but I just saw him have a guy killed, like, right. on my way here. Yeah, because she's something like Eddie would never kill anybody or something like right. that. Yeah, and, and Marlo has to be like, well, yeah, no, he doesn't do it himself, yeah. but he pays people to go out and kill people so same thing yeah she's right in the sense that he didn't actually kill right. anybody himself yeah she, she is wrong in the sense that yeah <laughs> he makes yeah, people he, get he, dead yeah he, he basically <laughs> did so she leaves i forget why she even leaves the room right, she leaves the room she gets angry but she gets angry about Wait, about the, the these these revelations and stuff. Yeah. yeah yeah so marlo convinces mrs rutledge to help him escape and he's very critical of her cutting his ropes off the whole time too by the mm-hmm. way where he's like watch your thumb not like that cut away from yourself and i'm like i mean i, I appreciate that he doesn't want her to like slice her hand open but it's like she can figure it out it's a knife and a rope yeah <laughs> so he grabs his gun um, and he hides. Mm-hmm. Vivian 
pretends like he's escaped. Well, I mean, he has escaped. But right. But she, she pretends like this, he got the out. escape went differently. Right, yeah. So she walks. This is a bit I really like. She walks out with Canino, who's the thug who tied him up. Mm-hmm. And she points into a car and says, he's there. So the guy shoots at the car, which <laughs> distracts him and kind of draws uh, Marlo towards where the gunshot is coming from. So in doing that, she basically sets it up so that Marlo can kill this guy. Yeah. yeah. Which is pretty cool. Yeah. It's a good yeah. It's, it's an awesome one, too. Yeah. So then, oh God, where are we at now? We're just about the end. They go back. Yeah, yeah so now they go back to the they house. go back to Geiger's house. Oh, they go back to Geiger's house. Mm-hmm. That's right. Yeah. Where the final showdown yeah. thing happens. Yeah, and they and they he calls Mark. They go back and forth from place to place so many times in this movie. Right, that you're it's like, so they're hard back to Geiger's house? Yeah. yeah, because they go back to Geiger's house and call, he calls Eddie Mars, but pretends like he's still out in Rialto mm-hmm. because I... I, or I think what's sort of revealed in the next scene is he knows that if Mars comes, it's going to be a setup. And so mm-hmm. he wants Mars to think that he's not there yet or not there back yet. yet. Yeah. So he can sort of get he's, the jump on him. Yeah. He's setting up Mars in the way that Mars was going Mars to set him would up. have set him. Exactly. Up. So meanwhile, like during all this, Vivian also says like, Hey, um, if you take me to the cops, I'm going to confess to having, Mm-hmm killed sean he's like why well, like i killed a guy too um and i let jones die mm-hmm. so they like I don't, I don't i don't i'm not really sure how like what kind of leverage that really is mm-hmm. right yeah <laughs> but i don't know either like she says if you take me to the cops i'll tell on myself and he's like well i'll i i also did murder <laughs> like right I do murder. Sure. Sure. Um, he does tell her he loves her. So I guess their relationship yeah, cool. is progressing. Yeah. Great. At this point, I'm not really sure why. She's proven to be like mostly a bad person. Yeah. Who's been like lying to him throughout the vast majority of the movie. I mean, I, I get that they. But, but wait, wait, wait. But she's Lauren Bacall. She is. So. Um, and they do have the really good banter. Like, I, I think their chemistry yeah, they is, they they, is yeah, quite palpable. Like, you know, um, you know, I, I think they sell it, but you're right that just like plot wise or like these characters motivation wise, beyond, it's one thing to be like, yeah, no, you're a beautiful woman, but to be like, now I love you is, is pretty wild. Mm-hmm. <laughs> also, like what woman did he interact with in this movie that wasn't also super into him in a beautiful right, woman? Right. Exactly. So. It's true. No, but they do they do have very good chemistry. Yeah. It just seems like that relationship is uh <laughs> oh, it's going to be a lot. Yeah. So I do I do like one of his lines in the scene where they're setting up where he admits to being scared, mm-hmm. which is not something I'd usually expect a macho man in Hollywood to kind of say before a final standoff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, he's a, he's a little self-deprecating like through throughout, yeah. you know. He he kind of has and I think that's part of like the sort of the schlubby PI kind of uh, yeah. well, vibe. So Dylan, have you seen The Long Goodbye? I was going to say we no, were going we to talk didn't. Long Goodbye. I did. Cuz man, Elliot Gould ramps up the schlubbiness. Yeah. He ramps up the self-deprecation. Yeah. Just everything that the the fumblingness that you might see a little bit this Marlo's like way cooler than yes. Elliot Gould's Marlo, yeah. who's just like. I almost man. think it'd work better that way. 
Yeah. Except for the fact that uh, well, all the women I, I, are into them. Yeah, I, I think I do like Long Goodbye better than this. Mm-hmm. Um, just that movie's also more on so my good. speed, like the the deconstruction of of this kind of genre. Right, and mm-hmm. putting it like taking it and putting it sort of in the actual time period when they were filming it, and mm-hmm. the it's like beachier. Yeah, I I love Long Goodbye, it, <laughs> and it makes Sterling Hayden is like Hemingway. Oh, oh so yeah. good, and that movie probably makes fifty percent more sense than this movie. Um, although it does similarly have a lot of characters going back and forth and back and forth mm. all the time of just like, where are they now? They're at this guy's house. And then they went back to this place. Like he, he likes that, that uh, style of storytelling. So while they're uh, setting up for Eddie Mars, they hide the car. Mm-hmm. They wait for Mars to come. Mm-hmm. He walks in the house and Marlo pulls a gun on him. It is like during their conversation that it's revealed that Carmen had killed Sean Regan. He didn't disappear with Mars's wife, but mm-hmm. Carmen had murdered him because he didn't like her. Right. <laughs> and then Eddie has been blackmailing Vivian over this fact, which is why Vivian says that she will confess to Sean's death because mm-hmm. she uh, is looking out for her sister. Yeah. It is interesting that like that's the running sort of tactic is to blackmail her to protect mm. Carmen because they do it with the photographs that the yeah, blackmail goes to yeah. her and then here like I guess Carmen's just so irresponsible and Vivian's the yeah. responsible one so that she's the one you go to blackmail well and it, isn't it implied I don't know if it's explicit or if I just like assumed this but Carmen may not even know that she had right. killed Sean well exactly. like you said there's yeah. that line earlier where she says like when she gets like this she doesn't remember anything anyway and so right. we don't know how much Carmen even knows of what she's up to yeah but like going going back knowing that line based on hearing this it does seem like that is Vivian saying like mm-hmm. oh like she's not gonna remember this night if she doesn't even remember right. you know, killing killing the man she loved yeah so, um, so Marlo, I, I will say, I wish, um, there had been more in the movie about, um, do we ever get a scene of, um, Vivian and Carmen just together? Cause they have an interesting sister dynamic. I just wish it could have been characterized more. They're like, just prote- maybe they're like maybe in the same room like once. Yeah. They're but in the same room when she people. goes to Joe Brody's Right, when she place. goes to Joe Brody's place, but we never oh, see them yes, really yes, have yes. a one-on-one conversation or anything. Yeah, I, yeah, I don't think they They, they have a very speak. interesting sister setup. Yeah. I, I really like the relationship they have. It just It's never really shown mm-hmm. much. Yeah. yeah. So his, uh, his last kind of like trick that... Um, did you guys hear Evie shouting I, under the door? I yeah. was going to say, I was, at first I thought it was Pelly. At first I thought it was Dylan's dog. And then I was like, wait, no, that's a, that's a, that's a baby's yeah. voice. That's a huge... Yeah. What'd she uh, say? I, I, I couldn't tell. <laughs> okay. Um, so, so Marla was like, last trick is, how do I get Eddie Mars out of the picture mm-hmm. without killing him? Right. So he shoots up the house. Mm-hmm. <laughs> forces Eddie out of the house God. and his goons are out there waiting for him. Man, are they sugar happy? Yeah. They just you would whoop. think, like, they know that... He also shouts, guys, it's me, it's Eddie, don't shoot. 
and then they not only not only that but they think that they're waiting for um marlo to come yeah, they've so only they, that's what I was wondering too. I'm like, they, they don't expect to be coming They've from. only seen Eddie go into the house. Right. The door opens and someone comes out they're shouting, like, hey guys, it's me. And they're just like, yeah, yeah like, fuck goons it. are bad. Let's shoot. Like, yeah. Dead. I do enjoy also, though, this is, we, we mentioned it a little bit earlier, but um, Bogart's acting here and sort of Marlowe's, the way he approaches this final standoff where he just throws, like, kind of crazy like where he gets like mm-hmm. real sort of bug-eyed and is like you don't think i'm gonna do it i'm gonna do it and he like you know does start firing off mm-hmm. the shots and you know that's and eddie, eddie and eddie's that's like oh no this ever. guy's crazy <laughs> i can't i can't be here yeah it's that's the like best, the, the tre- treasure of the sierra madre right. bogart where yeah just like i was I, the, to me the best bogart is like completely off the hinge bogart and that's yeah. why i think treasure sierra madre is my favorite bogart yeah. movie yeah because well, oh you, my god seen... he is so off the hinge in that movie have you seen in a lonely place because he's that's also no. see you should he's see in a lonely place he is uh he's going through some stuff is that, in that gonna one. be is that gonna be my bogart it might be I it's pretty... i have a feeling i have a feeling you won't like it yeah place, it's, it's pretty dark <laughs> it's pretty uh like, i don't mind despairing. dark movies well <sighs> I know that's true. You don't, but it's it's a little despairing. I don't know. Like it bums me out watching it. Uh, it's Depending not... on your on your read of it, it's it c- can be read, and I think like the surface level read. Oh, it's a it, Nicholas I, Ray. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, I I think that Ray and the movie understand uh, how problematic. Yeah, it's, it is. But I've I've read some uh, takes that, that even like problematic. Okay. But I, but I think that's I think it's kind of like right. the searchers where the movie knows it but right. it doesn't it doesn't ever like wink at you so you kind of have to grapple with right. it. I think even it, at the time I don't think it's just like the, oh the, in the, retrospect. The thing about I the think, searchers yeah. is the searchers kind of understands just like how fucking terrible the wild west is at this mm-hmm. point. It's not like stagecoach where it's problematic and right. super fun. Right. Um, and yeah, I, yeah. Right. And I think in a lonely place similarly sort of gets what a bad guy the the Bogart character yeah, is. Okay. Like it's that. It's like he is a like he's not a good person. <laughs> like mm-hmm. this woman that's spending time with him should not be. He's not a good guy. <laughs> like it's bad for everybody. Um but yeah, I mean it's, it's worth watching for sure. I like it. I have the it's a good criterion movie. Yeah. of it. I, I, oh, I do just want to yeah. go back and preface though for as probably as they are still love stagecoach and the searchers there. Oh, still, sure. like, oh good yeah. movies. Yeah. <laughs> like Come on. Yeah, like good movies, but you know, in the appropriate <laughs> historical context. Yes, of course. <laughs> so, um, Eddie gets killed by his is own goons. Stagecoach in the book. Um, I'm sorry, I think I'm it is, but Searchers is, I think. I think Searchers is. I'm just wondering what, because any John Ford we're gonna do, we're gonna have to go through some historical context. Oh no, neither, neither, neither of them are in this book. Wow. Are you fucking kidding me? Um, he doesn't so, have a ton of western. Sorry, okay, we, yeah. let's finish the plot of this movie. We got yeah, sorry, sorry, so sorry. My <laughs> no, bad. My bad. I'm, I'm, no, no, sorry. I'm, so, yeah, so like where uh, home stretch, Eddie gets killed by his his goons. Stupid goose. Um, yeah. Marlo calls the cops and's like, "Hey, uh, this guy got murdered." And also, oh yeah, like that that Sean Regan guy, uh, the guy who got murdered also killed him. So stop. Don't investigate. Just neatly tied Carmen. up with a little bow. Just everyone yeah. who killed is, everyone killed each other. It's fine. Which is something that I like about this movie is that seemingly everything is tied up, like mm-hmm. for the police. Like right. all of all of those plot lines are tied up, even mm-hmm. though the movie itself is not tied up at all. Right. No. Yeah, I do like that. So too. I kind of like that kind of 
switcheroo there. And then uh, Bacall and Bogey make out. Yeah, as you do. <laughs> I love the last line of the Wikipedia summary here, which is just, he also convinces Vivian that her sister needs psychiatric care. <laughs> that is the last like, line of the Wikipedia summary. You think? Um, just a so, little bit. Two two quick things that I that we just didn't get a chance to mention now that we've reached yep. the end of the plot summary. Um, one is uh, in that opening scene in the house way back at the beginning, um, uh, Philip Marlowe mentions that he is 38 years old um, in this movie, which is... Hey, that's kind of close to well, your guys' It's kind age. of close to our, our hey, age. Hey, I know. Hey, stop <laughs> let's, not, let's not round up that much quite. But, um, I, and I guess, what, the girl's supposed to be like 20, 21, something like that? I think they were both around 20, like, yeah. the actresses. Yeah, and so, and Humphrey Bogart was, like, 45. So he's playing... Yeah, I just looked up, it's 47. Oh. So don't feel okay. too bad, you guys. Okay, so he's playing 10 years younger. But I, also, that's Humphrey Bogart did some hard living. He does not look like a passable 38 no. years old. Um, yeah. No. He looks like 55 when he's 45, not 35. <laughs> um, and then the only other thing um, that I didn't have time to mention at the beginning is I love the title card to this movie i think it's such a cool like they do this it's opening to the silhouette of bogart and bacall like lighting a cigarette and then it has their (laughs) names come up over their silhouettes and before it says the big sleep and i'm just like oh it's gonna be a good one (laughs) like for that opening image i'm like yeah it's gonna be a good movie it's all All right i've i've i I ended up underlining a bunch of stuff in um this Mm -hmm. i did too yeah. Is is opposed to like I think last week we were a little bit hard on his mm-hmm. kind of like surface level uh, bicycle mm-hmm. thieves yeah right up but this one had like a lot of great insights a lot of like historical stuff that I didn't know mm-hmm. um, but I think my favorite line from it was uh, the big sleep is a lust story with a plot about <laughs> oh, a lot of other it. things that's the one I I did too <laughs> oh my God. well and so I like good. and I like the line right before it where he talks about um, you know he oh this so he goes oh, okay so it's in this same paragraph the line I called out earlier um, it is most typical of this most puzzling of films that no one agrees even on why it is so puzzling yet that has never affected the big sleeps enduring popularity because the movie is about the process of a criminal investigation not its results. Mm-hmm. Um, and so then but he, not not the not the reality of a criminal right. investigation. And then he goes on to describe the process and ends with some bad guys get killed and others get arrested and we don't much care because the real result is that Bogart and Bacall end up in each other's arms. And then he has yeah. the line about it being a lust story. Um, yeah, With I think... With a plot about a lot of other things. Which, right. it reminds me of when I went to Knives Out last year, mm-hmm. and I expected it to be this, like, massive whodunit, mm-hmm. Agatha Christie style. And they solve the whodunit in the first 30 minutes. Mm-hmm. And most of it is actually, like, a political commentary about the different social classes. Mm-hmm. And... It's just awesome because Rian Johnson's a genius yeah. and he makes perfect movies. That's one of the wildest things about Knives Out. And without, you know, ever, I'm sure everyone's seen Knives Out. You should if you haven't. That's why I'm trying to keep um, it pretty big. But I will say, but like there, there is like basically like 30 minutes in. It's like, oh, this is how it happened. Like, or this is what happened. And then you're like, so what? what is this movie going to be then? And so it, it ends up going in a lot of different directions. But yeah, it's more it's about. Still, it's, still, it's still a mystery yes, thrill, right? Yes. But the that's, general but that's what's crime amazing is is he mention he manages to make it still like a compelling mystery yeah. even as you know you, you get all of this you sort of get answers early on 
Yeah, it just it that that uh, reminded me of the the yeah. quote that it's a lust story and the right. other one's a political commentary, but right. it's brought into this. But it's uh, in this mystery genre. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the quote I'm gonna go with that. Um, God, that was the best quote. Yeah. No, there's a lot of, I would say, it's very different than, like I said, Bicycle Thieves, where, you know, he's he really gets, he really digs into, in this essay, like, what makes this movie so compelling, why yeah. it's so and well how, regarded, it... why people like it, and while while also getting into the sort of behind the scenes of the production Yeah, well. I like a lot about his um, discussions about how it is reproducing um, Chandler's ability on, okay, I'll, this will be my quote, Chandler's ability on the page to find a tone of voice that keeps it distant yet wry and humorous and cares. Mm-hmm. Which I, th- I think that's a really good summary of both the movie, I'm assuming Chandler's writing and just the process of adapting it from mm-hmm. Chandler's writing, which yeah. seems absolutely ludicrous. Just... Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, good stuff. Right. Where are you guys going thumbs-wise? Oh, thumbs up. Oh, up. Big time thumbs up. up. Yeah, good. Big up. Same. Nick? Uh... Yep. Oh yeah, definitely thumbs up. Uh, Gina, how many stars? It's five star, four stars for me. I almost gave it an extra one. <laughs> wow. Five out of four stars for Gina. No, it's it's four. It's a four star for me. I, I love this movie. Like I said, I've I've seen it so many times. Um, I love it. Uh-huh. What about you, Dylan? Uh, I'll go three. Um, three. <laughs> sorry. I mean, it's not necessarily like my kind of movie, and yeah. it, it was just more. I'm not sure. This is my thing. I'm not sure if it's a great movie or the great movie. It's a fun movie. Like, it's enjoyable. It makes absolutely no sense. Um, it's charismatic. Uh, I should have given three stars to Bicycle Thieves. This is what this is what I'm learning. Oh, from no. This whole don't, take on, don't, don't take it out on Bicycle Thieves. <laughs> I, I just personally didn't find, like, much compelling about it. I found a lot entertaining, but not a lot compelling, personally. Uh, but I, it was a solid movie. I, I'm really glad I rewatched it because I don't think I got a lot of what was going on uh, when I watched sure. it. Sure. Because a stupid sixth grader. Well, I can't. Yeah. I mean, fair. I don't think. <laughs> like, <laughs> I, 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 I feel think, like I watched a lot of movies way too young. That was yeah, a mistake. Well, you know, as long as you revisit them now, then <laughs> yeah. it's fair. I get the whole Rye in the Pocket joke now. Oh, God. Yeah. And all their banter uh, about horse racing, by the way, which we yeah. didn't oh, talk yeah. about. The, Holy moly. Which, which was, that Ebert points he, out. Is Ebert like, wow. writes it all in quotes. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, a fun double entendre that's kind of about horse racing and also kind of not. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to I'm gonna split the difference and go three and a half on this. Okay. I can't quite go for, but but it's uh, it's close. It's a great ride. Yeah. It's it. It's a very fun movie. Yeah, it's just like um, we were saying, comparing it to All About Eve, it's just like, yeah, very much more in my wheelhouse of the kinds of movies that I get a lot out mm-hmm. of and do find a mm-hmm. lot compelling about. Uh, real quick before we take off, have you guys watched anything good recently and what are you planning on watching in the next few days until we record our next episode? Well, I- this week I watched Palm Springs. Did you like? Uh, did you? You guys? Did, I know you guys. I, I was watching, looking at Letterbox. You guys didn't like it as much as I did, but you liked it enough. I liked it. Yeah, we had fun. Uh, with I, it. I didn't like the last act. Um, it leaves way too much unresolved for me, and there's a lot of jumps that happen 
in logic. Granted, um, I like the in in most cases the the time loop's always broken by just like how nice you are, mm-hmm. <laughs> like in the Groundhog right. Day way. Yeah, I really like the way the time loop was solved, but mm-hmm. I don't like a lot of the character stuff and specifically Nick's review, which I don't know if you have a spoiler tag on because I've already seen it and spoiler tag wouldn't come up, but. A little bit of a spoiler tag on Nick's review of the the movie because I saw it. And my review, yeah. No, I... my review. My review is a reference to Rick and Morty. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah, I was gonna say. I was like, I thought, yeah, that was just a joke, right? Yeah, uh, this is just it's just a yeah, joke. It's a yeah. quote from Rick and Morty. <laughs> okay. I I, I kind of thought about how that that the character you reference oh, kind of ends up just. See, I love I love that about the ending. I will say, um, I, I, the the main critique I've seen of it from people who sort of like it but have more reservations than I do is the logic problems, um, mm. which I don't know didn't bug me at all. D- didn't even occur to me that I had to fine. care about That's the fine. logic. To be fair, the two leads are so great together God, yeah, that it doesn't really matter. Like it's it's one of the, it's super entertaining. But I rewatched the first fifteen minutes yesterday because someone recommended. Once you've seen it, go back and rewatch the first fifteen minutes because it's like you're seeing Andy Samberg's character go through the loop the first time, and he references mm-hmm. a bunch of things that later on you're like, oh, he. That's why he said that to that guy because it's like uh-huh. references. So it's uh, still love it. Well, good. I'm glad you guys at least enjoyed it. And then uh, last night, after watching The Big Sleep, my brother and I decided to sit down and break open the Tokyo story. Mm. Just basically the antithesis of Big Sleep in its entirety. Yeah, I'm going to um, have to watch that at some point. And it broke me. And I've, I, I, I've seen it before. This is my third time watching it. Still, n- Nick. It's very good. Hold, hold me. <laughs> it's... Ozu, man. He's too yeah. good. I still intend to watch First Cow. Keep meaning to watch First Cow. Haven't See, watched same, it yet. Same. Yeah. I just, I just That's need on to. My That's why this I, week. I checked with Nick, as, as these guys know, I checked with Nick to make sure that like it wasn't going to bum me out. And it no. sounds like it's yeah. not going to. So I just need to like make time. I just I want to be able to focus on it. I don't want to just like throw yeah. it on. And so that's why I haven't it's, really. Yeah, it's a very like slow kind of sedate. Yeah. Uh-huh. Lethargic movie for for most of its runtime. Yeah. I think um, I'm also going to get to cow, first cow this week, and I also want to rewatch Clueless this week. Um, oh sure. It's 25th anniversary this week. Have you seen of... Clueless like once or twice or recently? Or I'm just curious, Dylan. Yeah, you. It's yeah, older than re- you are. <laughs> oh, I've seen it probably five or six okay. times. Okay. Well, I don't. I don't and know with, most... with the children how they feel about Clueless. No. Like... No. Clue. I think I have Clueless in like my personal letterbox. Great movies. List. Okay. okay. I love Clueless. Yeah, great movie. Um, I rewatched it recently because I thought I was gonna go see Emma the next day in theaters. Oh sure. That yeah. Was oh, yeah I remember that. Emma was the last Everything movie I thought I would go see. Crashed. Yeah, that was the last movie I thought I would go see in theaters too. Emma. Kind of waiting for Emma to get back to a price that I can reasonably pay for right now. If it's just a are rental. they still doing the twenty dollar thing? Um, they haven't brought it down. No, I think they I sell it for fifteen now. Still, <laughs> yeah, uh, but it's just, for purchase. Once, yeah, what, but once once it's just a two dollar rental, that's when that's when I'll yeah. invest. But it's not. As, I love Emma, Netflix. but it's not as good as Clueless. Yeah. Um, oh, so you you you've seen Emma? Yeah, I I did the twenty dollar rental thing when it came out. Uh, okay. I was so yeah, I saw people it. referencing that uh, Emma was better than Clueless, and I have I just. 
I cannot see. Emma's good and fun, cannot, but it's not Clueless. I cannot see how you do better than Clueless. No, Clueless, Clueless is, is kind of a perfect, perfect movie. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. Yeah, love it. Yep. Uh, Nick, one. what have you seen this week, and what are you going to watch this week? Um, I watched First Cow, which is awesome. Uh, she's a great cow. <laughs> Very good cow. <laughs> I, I watched. I, I rewatched. Talk. I thought you were going to reference Kelly. Oh, Riker. Kelly Riker. <laughs> and I was like, oh, she's a great cow too. <laughs> no. Yeah, Kelly Riker's a great <laughs> filmmaker. She filmed a great cow. I assume uh, the cow re- in the movie is also a female cow because I think it's a dairy yeah. cow, right? Okay. Yeah. 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 In real life, her name is Evie. Actually, Aww. Evie the cow. Um. Watch, I rewatched Daughters of the Dust for my other podcast, which is a very, very good movie. Nice. Um, I, I watched Leave Her to Heaven for the first time, which was a recent Criterion pickup. Mm-hmm. Um, really, what is that one a, even about? It's uh, it's hard to succinctly describe without giving too much away. It is sort of a noir, only um, it doesn't look or it feels like a noir. It doesn't look like a noir at all because it was shot in okay. color. Um, it is a a grimy movie. Like some some real shit happens in this ah, movie. Ah, a real Dylan movie, huh? Yeah. <laughs> oh, talking about Dylan movies, I also watched this week my other Criterion, A Matter oh, yeah. of Life and Death. Matter of Life and Death. There you go. Which is the best. Um, everyone should watch every Archer's movie and be happy. Yep. And then I watched uh, Sholay this week on Amazon. I really um, want to hear your thoughts on this. It was really good. I would check. I would check it out. I my Letterboxd uh, review basically said it's like a mix of Seven Samurai and Once Upon a Time in the West, but with like other genres kind of like thrown in. So I really liked it. Um, and this week I'm gonna try to watch uh, uh, Life and Death of Colonel Blimp, which is another Archer's movie. And then I'm pro- I'm probably gonna watch Good Morning, the Ozu movie tonight. Hmm. Hopefully. Hey, I did Ozu um, and. Archer's yeah. love this week. I know you'll that's, do it. Yeah. This. yeah, that's okay, Nick. We're gonna have to have a like a separate conversation yeah, about life can... and death. The Colonel Blimp. Yeah, yeah. Rewatching Matter of Life and Death, I was just kind of thinking about how perfect Life and Death the Colonel Blimp is, and it's just. And to confirm, this is a movie that has no character named Colonel Blimp in the movie. Is what we've learned. Okay, so <laughs> I, I didn't think so. I don't remember. It's definitely not one of the main characters, but when I was uh, doing some, because I was doing a bunch of Archer's research afterwards, because, God, I love them. Um, there's a character named Private Blimp. Oh, okay. In the but movie. he's not a colonel. He's exactly. not a colonel. Unless he gets a major Later. promotion during the course of the film, <laughs> then... Either way. Um, but yeah, no, there's no Colonel Blimp in character in the movie. So so those are, those are my plans, and then maybe buy some more Criterions, because... I'm irresponsible with money. Is that sale? I'm is that trying- sale still going? The Barnes and Noble. Yeah, it, is. Oh, damn. Yeah. it goes okay. until August, so oh, you have time it goes to. For a while. Okay, I have time <laughs> to give in. That was my face. I was yeah. like, I successfully avoided buying anything, and it's not over. So I have. Yeah, I bought ten it. movies. That nice. Is. Yeah, I usually do I'm that. Not gonna buy anymore. Yeah, I usually that's what I end up doing when they do the Criterion Flash sales. But like, yeah, mm-hmm. the, the Barnes and Noble sale is actually a better deal, so I need to load up. All right, right. we should let you go. (laughs) Yeah, so uh, where can you find us? You can find us on Twitter and at Letterboxd at Great Movies Pod. And as always, thanks to our buddy Scott Brady for our artwork. You can find him at S Brady Artist on Twitter. 
And next week, we're going to be talking about Blow Up by Michelangelo Antonioni. Mm -hmm. It is not streaming free anywhere, but as of right now anyway, I don't know if it's still going to be the case when we release this, but as of Sunday, it is on iTunes for $6 to buy and $2 to rent. Ooh. So. Good deal. Should be easy to pick up there, at least, if you haven't seen it before. Uh, All right. (laughs) Oh, no. (laughs) Worried about next week already. Have that to look forward to. And on that optimistic note. Yeah, on that note. We'll follow up next week. Yeah. Yeah, we'll see. Roger out. Roger out. Roger out, guys. And when I go to the movies... I am that person on the screen. I am having vicariously an experience that happened to someone else. And that makes me a better person. That to see good films and to see important films is one of the most profoundly civilized experiences that we can have as people.